0: Hi, welcome to the scene of the scene. I am here with Nadia. Hello, Nadia. Hello. And we just got out of seeing Boys, a documentary about German artist and performance artist and
1: provocateur, provocateur, politician. And sometime politician,
0: uh, to Josef Boys. And uh, we just had some sushi, and we're wrapping that up. And we're going to talk about it for a little while. So, do you want to say a little bit more about what the movie was about?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was basically a standard uh, biographical uh, documentary of of boys sort of childhood too. Demise, uh, it was, it, and that was, I mean, if I have a, it's not really a criticism, but it was, it, it's, it was very, worth, like, documentary in terms of the way that it was made, it was like, here's all the footage we have, <laughs> spliced together in chronological order, and, you know, a little slow in places for that, as far as that went, but they had some, they had some really good footage, they had footage that I'd not seen before, and I've, you know, I'm fairly, inter- I mean, I'm sufficiently interested in boys that I was, like, familiar with a lot of the pieces they were talking about, but I hadn't seen, I'd seen still photos, I didn't realize that there was footage, for example, of um, "I Like America, America Likes yeah, yeah. Me" with the with the coyote, which was locked turned out to be Studio with a coyote. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so you were familiar with the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I knew of, I know of his work. I've seen pictures of it or mm-hmm. or uh, sculptures of his in museums, but mm-hmm. I certainly hadn't gotten quite as much. I feel like the movie did a really good job, especially at the opening of. Providing a lot of context and explaining, you know, what yeah. what was it like? Mm-hmm. I feel like that mm-hmm. was missing from my understanding of boys, of understanding what is both the context in terms of how he was engaged with the public mm-hmm. as a kind of in the way that I think of Warhol mm-hmm. uh, or some other provocateurs, artistic provocateurs, being. But I didn't know. I didn't have any sense for some of the context of the the Coyote mm-hmm. piece. I didn't have much of a sense of what he was like as a person and the kind of mm-hmm. humor that he would mm-hmm. bring to his artwork. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. that, that brought a lot, it brought a lot out.
1: Yeah, it really did, like I said, the just by virtue of the quality of the, the footage that they had, you really got a sense of his personality. So I thought he was a really interesting guy. And I wound up wanting to see a Netflix uh, original <laughs> a biopic series about him because I think it would be... He's, he's interesting enough to sustain that uh, as a character, uh, and there was just stuff uh, like there was biographical material. I mean, I think I knew that he had been he had wartime experiences, but he had this insane, intense experience where he was shot down in a plane, saw his co pilot blown to smithereens, was in a coma for twelve days, woke up in the Crimea wrapped in <laughs> wrapped in fat and and, and sinew or something, right. just, which was just like, and that sort of. That really informed, for me, a lot of what he went on to do, because A, he had this incredible experience of trauma. He had massive head trauma on top of of the experience. So yeah, so he had this this incredibly traumatic experience, but then you see, coming up again and again, you know, like, so he, he, he says that when he woke up in the Crimea for, I guess they were treating him in some kind of regionally traditional way and they had wrapped him in fat and tallow and then you see him working with fat and tallow to, as a sculptural servant, and kind of smearing himself with it and like making things out of it later on and it's like well that's where that came from
0: right. and, Do you think that boys would argue that that's where that came from?
1: I mean I don't know that he was necessarily conscious of it but there seemed to be a continuity there but also just in the sense of that this, the experience that he describes is so Nightmarishly bizarre and bizarre and, and disruptive of normal life that you could see him. It made more sense that he was not able to go back to normal life and just like get a job in his parents' margarine factory or <laughs> and go on go on with things as as he was expected to do. Like there, there was this huge disruption in the normal, and he no longer trusted the normal, and so there just seemed to be. It seemed very formative to me. <laughs>
0: There's a lot. The film seems to take a lot of interest in his role as a social activist, a provocateur, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a failed Green Party, well, a founder yeah. of the Green Party in Germany, and a, a, and a failed candidate to, mm-hmm. to for their parliament. So the, the movie seems like it's very... It, it agrees with Boys in his assessment of himself as somebody who's yeah. doing some... who's doing a lot of social work in his work. And I wondered... I wondered if that was really true or if it was mm-hmm. a romantic image he was putting forward of himself.
1: Well, what I thought was interesting, and I don't know if you got this out of it, that I, at no point did I really get a clear sense of what his politics were other than a reaction against the status quo. Like there was sort of a vague, hand wavy, um, like humanist, egalitarian uh, oh. anarchism that right. he was putting forward, but really no. Mm-hmm. Kind of policy or vision. It was really just you know the the current system is broken, uh, so you know we have to disrupt the current system. Uh, Yes, certainly no policy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I can't imagine him coming up with a policy. (laughs) Exactly.
0: I can imagine Mm -hmm. him coming up with a sort of positionality. (laughs)
1: Like Mm -hmm. it's
0: important to be free, whatever that means. (laughs) It's not going to get terribly well defined. (laughs) It's important to be able to laugh at things, at the world, at yourself. (laughs) But. I didn't see any particular sign of him doing a thing that led to a direct social change, although mm-hmm. maybe a lot of indirect social change for some people who mm-hmm. who encountered his work and it struck them just so.
1: It's also, I mean, this is the, the 60s, I think, was the period during which he was working with students. Uh, and this scene he was very very popular professor. And the, the concept of what social change was and what needed to be changed was quite different from from ours. And so I think it's sort of, yeah, Hits us differently when we see it. But one thing I did like, uh, as, a, as an idea, was the idea that uh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 generally taken for granted that he was a very political artist and you know went into politics later, but also that his work was inherently political. But you don't see any kind of didactic politics or you know rhetoric in the content of the work. And I do like the idea that art can be political uh, by means, by virtue of its structure and the way it's produced and the way it's defined, and not necessarily by virtue of what the content of the piece actually is.
0: Absolutely. Is an interesting idea there. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not trying to suggest that... I don't want to say anything along the lines of... Well, that any piece of art isn't political,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but in terms of being a factor for social change, mm-hmm. which I think mm-hmm. is what he was trying to more specifically argue.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I was—I kept waiting for evidence of it. Yeah, for or the, even
1: just like what he meant by that. You know, it's sort of <laughs> like right. What is? What are you trying to change? What would that change look like?
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. What? <laughs> what is the sign of that change? Mm-hmm. One of the interesting. One interesting thing about potentially the sign of change is seeing how in all the archival footage, everyone involved, everyone involved in a properly active way
1: mm-hmm.
0: was a dude. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Whereas mm-hmm. the talking heads, it was, a, I mean, most, it was a pretty even split in terms mm-hmm. of the, the people who were there, who were being the handful of people who were given one-on-one interviews. Uh, but in terms of the amount of time they spent on the screen, the, the the women who were being interviewed seemed to be on there for longer and seemed mm-hmm. to be doing more in terms of that part of shaping the narrative, and mm-hmm. that part of uh, interpreting it, and maybe carrying it
1: forward. I'm not it sure. Really brought a lot to it too. I thought they were, they were oh, yeah. articulate yeah,
0: mm-hmm. very handsomely
1: filmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: <laughs> really. There were actually there's a one particular talking head. This is a small thing, I suppose, but it was standard talking with an intellectual in his book-lined office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the lighting was amazing. <laughs> All the books were just just shrouded in darkness, mm-hmm. and the lighting on his face was perfectly mm-hmm. lighting him up. And it was sumptuous in a way that you know your local documentary going down to the university going to the end, you, know, you don't usually see that. It just mm-hmm. looks so. It, it so often looks so sterile. It was it was lovely to see that brimming with potentiality and, and shadow and, mm-hmm. and, and light and play. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: and that that's also, true. like, in terms of dealing with the the archival footage, mm-hmm. some of it of very low quality, that mm-hmm. the filmmakers found some really interesting way to ways to beef it up mm-hmm. and, to, and just, to make it a bit more sexy. Even yeah. if occasionally it just looked like the world's best prezi piece of dish. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, generally speaking, it was very visually engaging and... and mm-hmm keeping with you the music was perfectly nice Mm -hmm. I think it did a good job of of bringing you to the scene
1: oh yeah yeah
0: so what does what does boys like why are you a fan
1: I mean I am interested in him in the context of uh in general, 60s and 70s performance and co- conceptual art, which I'm increasingly fascinated with. I mean, I've, I always found it kind of interesting. I got a little obsessed when I uh, finally watched My Dinner with Andre, which is oh, a lot of stuff. in it about Yeah, the sort of conceptual theater and art movement, and I just, I find I find that entire scene really, really interesting, and um, Boyce was, a very, was like an early, seminal uh, artist in that field. I think a lot of people were, he, he sort of he was doing that stuff before a lot of other people and um, a lot of people picked up on it. That's one thing I would have liked to see a little bit more. I mean, there was one time when he was in a room and the word fluxus was on the wall behind him. I mean, like he the um, influence that he had on artists that came directly after him or or at the same time, he just, he saw Andy Warhol sort of like look for him at a party and fail to find him at what point that was about the extent of it but he, you know, he was, he was this really influential figure and I would have liked to hear more about that. Um,
0: there was and, a, oh, go ahead.
1: Sorry, I was just going to say, just in that context that uh, the idea that he has, like his really his big ideas, is is about yet yeah, sort of disrupting the system because the system is is broken. Um, but and, you know, disrupting the the um, uh, disrupting the definition of art to the point where everything is art. <laughs> and what does that do? What does it do to say that everything is art? And for one thing, I mean, I also I also find that. Interesting, like why do we feel the need to say that some things are art and some things aren't? What does it mean to say that a thing is art? My my friend Wendy and I at one point uh, had this <laughs> were kicking around the idea of starting a, a tiny journal in which we would review everyday experiences and things as though they were art pieces. Like, you know, getting a haircut or you know, being at a sushi restaurant. But we just we concluded that there was no way of doing that that wouldn't be completely obnoxious and kind of smutty. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the idea of, like, just you can do anything and, and engage with it and it becomes art is is intriguing to me. Um, it's certainly a way that you can move about the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You
0: just decide mm-hmm. that this is what's happening now.
1: And there's also, and boys really starts this, and you you see it take off in the 70s with a lot of different artists like Chris Burden and Maria, Mar- Marina Abramovich and people like that, that uh, performance art becomes really... Bizarre, often physically dangerous or sort of like deliberately aggressive and aggressively strange. And it's like, it's, it's a, a secular form of ritual, which is really interesting to me. And it's also really pushing at the bounds of, you know, not only what art is, but can I, can I do something that, um, violates my own self-interest and my own rationality hmm. <laughs> because even even self-interest and rationality start to be see, like become constraints on what you can do and is like you know is my will free enough that I can do things that are just completely undetermined by <laughs> by any of these things and it's just it's, it's interesting to me to see people trying to do that
0: <laughs> so there is also <laughs> Early in the the documentary, there's Mm -hmm. a scene where there's a big retrospective of Boyce's work at the Guggenheim, and there are a bunch of Mm -hmm. talking head interviews of people who are coming out. Mm -hmm. And there's one guy who says, oh, it's really made me rethink what I think about objects. (laughs) And I I spent a little while after that just imagining what exactly that meant and how he (laughs) went about the rest of his life. Did he behave around objects differently? Did he think about objects? Did he talk about objects differently? Like what? I couldn't tell if this guy was an artist or anything, but as uh-huh. a middle-aged man,
1: mm-hmm.
0: what, what, how had objects changed for him?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And so I'm wondering, sort of similarly, this stuff that you just described, the, the, this meaning and this possibility space that you, you took from Boy's work and the work of others like him. Mm-hmm. What have you done with that? What do you do with that? <laughs> Does, it, does, it, does is it just something you think about or you, you, you take in, or is it something that changes how you go about in the world?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it sort of feeds uh, into things I already think about the world. That's a good question. You know, I mean, I'm not, certainly not in the sense that I'm going to go out and, you know, run about naked in the woods in freezing weather like <laughs> performance right. artists were what to do in the 70s, bury myself alive, etc. Yeah. <laughs> I think Chris Burden nailed himself by the open palms to a, a car. <laughs>
0: just you, know. you, can, you can just hang out under the floorboards of a, of a gallery yes. and masturbate for a yes. while. That's also exactly. like a you know, conjugate. That's a total possibility. <laughs> exactly.
1: Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, as you put it it, it, it opens up a possibility space that is interesting to think about because when once that is open, the fact that you're not doing those things becomes a choice as opposed to, you know, <laughs> just the way things are.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Um, do you have any other things you want to say about the documentary or about boys? Um,
1: well, and I, I can't remember if I said this at the beginning, but yeah, I, I, had, I was familiar with the... Um, uh, Pieces. Uh, I like America, and America likes me. And um, explaining paintings to a dead hair, but uh, I had not seen. I do don't you want to, you want to explain what that one is? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so explaining paintings yeah, to a dead one. hair is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. He's in a gallery again, smeared with something—I think it was like metallic paint in this case—all over his face, holding a dead hair, walking around, cradling it gently, and explaining the paintings to it.
0: <laughs> well, and <people> and <laughs> sometimes <laughs> making it walk. Yes. With its what? ears in his mouth, <laughs> walking along the floors, he crawls around <laughs> yeah. While he's in, yeah, he's in a gallery, and he's in mm-hmm. a, and and people are looking or,
1: or looking through the
0: gallery through window. The gallery window yeah, is. yeah, he's
1: literally just. Ad living at a certain point with the with the hair. Oh sure. <laughs> and then and then yeah, the America piece. I mean, the thing to to know about that is that it's not only that he locked himself in a room with a coyote; it's that he in Germany had himself bundled in felt, loaded into an airplane, flown across the ocean, uh, taken to the gallery, unbundled, and then he hung out with a coyote for a while. Then he had himself rebundled and shipped back to Germany, and in, at no point did he engage with anything outside the room and anything other than the coyote.
0: (laughs) I don't know how I got through
1: customs. (laughs) It was a different time. It was a different different age. I
0: didn't know that. If I'd known that part, if I had known that part at one point, reading on some plaque in a museum next Mm -hmm. to a picture of him with the coyote, I did not remember that. And that was a (laughs) fascinating aspect of it. I also thought in the, in the, um, the, the piece with the dead hair, Mm -hmm. there were a lot of, archival footage of mm-hmm. the people who are watching it, mm-hmm. focusing on people mostly sort of smiling and laughing or just mm-hmm. looking on excitedly about what's the, what's this weird thing happening, what's going on. And I, again, I, I kept looking or thinking about those people and wondering, what are they doing with this?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: They're not going to go home and find a dead hair and try, <laughs> they're not going I mean, but what is the, what is the social activism doing for those people? It's creating new possibilities for. Oh, think there are things unheard of in this world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but so what? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? What, what does that specific action like do? How does that work?
1: I, I I have a deep love for all the footage and photographs of groups of. Very clean-cut, serious, horn-rimmed glasses-wearing students very solemnly watching people like flagellating themselves, with, flagellating oh, yes. themselves with eels or whatever the hell they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just freaking love that stuff. Um, but uh, I did like how early on someone, you know, someone says, "I thought your I thought your piece was funny to boys." And he's like, "That's good, laugh. That's the reaction. That's great." You know, yeah. he's he's perfectly happy. He has a Aww. sense of humor.
0: It's very dour-looking, yeah. uh, art historian type. <laughs> yeah. Is saying, "I found your piece very funny," but and he poisoned her up, saying, "No, that's fantastic." It's
1: great. <laughs> why more stop mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I agree
0: that's a, that is a totally totally valid and fantastic thing and certainly it's something that the art world needed then and probably always mm-hmm. needs mm-hmm. Know, maybe it's gone through maybe it's uh, swings up and down and mm-hmm. maybe it's gone through phases where there's been a bit too much funny
1: yeah I suspect Germany world. post-war was in dire need of a little funny <laughs> perhaps ah no.
0: oh, very good well thank you for uh inviting me to see this movie which I had not otherwise heard about I'm glad we got to do it and thank you for joining me for sushi and for a bit of chat afterwards hey. <laughs> the scene of the scene is brought to you by megaphonic fm Visit megaphonic.fm scene for show notes on this episode and to find out about all our fancy little shows.